welcome to another episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. We're going to be doing another Tales and Tales game review where we talk about games that sort of have themselves an animal theme that, uh, you know, you can use to support your summer reading programming, more or less. So, <laughs> I'm Donald. I'm Chris. And we're here at the Waccamonic Branch Library in Polly's Island, South Carolina, part of the Georgetown County Library System. Sitting here in the fabulous teen room that, oh, probably should clean this up before we let patrons in here, <laughs> but nonetheless, still pretty fabulous. Yes, it needs to be more fabulous. We have no updates on our laser cutter stuff, so you all are spared that this time. For shame, for shame. And let's leap right in to our great big hive of games, by which I mean, let's talk about hive. All right. Hive is Bugs. Bugs. Bugs are animals. Bugs have backsides, so we're going <laughs> to count it for tails and tails. So think of this kind of like chess without a board, where each of the different types of bugs has a special move, such as I'm going to leap forward over this line of things and come down at the end, or I'm going to crawl three spaces, or I'm going to climb up on top of other pieces. And the whole goal is to get the queen on the other person surrounded, because they have a queen bee, without letting your own queen be surrounded. Now, it is possible for you to both lose by the final move locking everybody into place at the same time. I've only seen it happen once, but it was exciting and hilarious when it happened. Yes, it needs to be a very specific <laughs> layout, but it can happen. Uh, it's a neat game where all your moves are the board. Right. Every tile makes up the board, and the hive must always be Connected. a continuous connected piece of every piece. So one of the super interesting things is at the beginning, you cannot move any of your pieces uh, and you only have your first piece that you put into play is helping to create the board. And then you are either when you finally decide to put your queen into play, which has to be like within the first three to five moves, I don't know. Then you can start moving your pieces around according to the way that piece would actually move. There are several little expansions. So there's like a ladybug expansion, a mosquito expansion, and probably <laughs> others that I can't remember right now or we don't have. The pieces are great big hefty Bakelite tile sort of things. So they're like double thick hexes compared to like a domino. Yep. There are a, ver a variety of them. There's even like a carbon version of it where all the pieces are just like black and white or gray and black. Don't get those. That's the wrong set to get. <laughs> you want the colors to help your memory hang off of the variety of shapes. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a very simple game. Um, yeah. And then very thinky and complicated at the same time. On your turn, you'll either place a piece into play or you will move a piece. Yes. That's it. But then it's about outmaneuvering your opponent. Uh-huh. And I have found that if you are the first person to get all of your pieces into play, you're probably going to lose. Sometimes it depends, I think, on the layout. Right. You've really got to be careful not to force your pieces into a line because, again, you can't break the hive apart. You can never move a piece that would remove other pieces from the board. So you almost need a cluster. Right. And one special rule is when you are placing your piece, with the exception <laughs> of your first piece, your new pieces can only touch your color of pieces, mm -hmm. which keeps it from just being weird and, and horrible. Yes. So... <laughs> Fun game, highly recommended. Hive, hive, hive. They, uh, you can get it in boxes, but there's also a version, or at least there was, that comes in sort of a you know, very durable bag mm -hmm. that uh, is what we have it in and what it will be circulating in again when we get it back out for circulation. 
Um, and I used to carry a copy around in the trunk of my car whenever I went, because it was one that my son played a lot, that we liked to play it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you don't need, I mean, you need very small space to play it. It's kind of one of those, you can break it out, play it in 10 minutes, throw it back in the bag kind of game. Of super interest to librarians is that while you do have to have all of the pieces to play, um, they are easy to clean. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that if you did lose a piece and for some reason you couldn't get a replacement, you could make a replacement piece out of just about anything. If you have a 3D printer, you could make one up and paint it. If you do uh, any kind of epoxy casting, you could make a duplicate of it. Oh, yeah. There's no h- hidden information or anything like that. Right. You can replace a piece very easily. All the information is available. You could actually make a copy of this game out of like cardboard and crayons. Oh, yeah. And it would be super easy. I recommend supporting the person who made it and buying actual copies because it's a great game. But yeah, that's Hive. That's pure green light from me. Absolutely. Wonderful game. All right. I picked that one. What are you picking? Uh, Takenoko. Oh. It's a game about pandas eating bamboo. It really is. I mean, that that is the entire game. That, all right. Enough, enough said. It's, it's delightful. <laughs> uh, bamboo is going to be growing on the board. Uh, your uh, ba- uh, panda is going to wander around eating them. There's different ways to score in the game, which honestly. Um, all right. So in Takenoko, you get two actions each turn uh, from the five different choices, such as choose and draw plots and then place one of them. Uh, or you can irrigate an area, or you move the gardener so that he will grow some bamboo for you, or you can move the panda and he will eat bamboo where he goes, or or you can draw a new objective card and, and then add it to your hand. Because what you're trying to do is meet so many objectives by the end of the game. And so the objectives are um, you know, like getting so many plots in specific orders, I believe, getting so many bamboo on a plot, um, or to have uh, the panda have things in its eaten bamboo reserve. And that's it. It's kind of adorable, but it's also, you know, a a very gamerly strategy game. It is. It's oh, all so, around this panda. So fun, neat little game about a panda eating bamboo. It really, it's about the comedic gardener having to deal with the bam- bamboo eating panda. That is true. So, and if any of you have ever seen the uh, panda YouTube videos... They are mischievous little creatures. Very slow, mischievous little creatures. <laughs> they are. So, and it's an Antoine Bowser game uh, by a variety of people, but um, I don't know which one of these publishers is the one that's local to us. I will say, however, it is a Golden Geek Award winner for 2012. So, hooray. That's, oops, sorry, that was the box, I promise. Uh, Takenogo. Yeah, Excellent. Well, let's talk about one I think we both know pretty well. Yes. Mostly because it's just that simple. Coconuts. All right. So in coconuts, though, the cool thing about it is you've got this ring of monkeys um, facing away from the center of the board with a bunch of little cups in it. Think of it as quarters of the children's game without beer. Um, (laughs) But uh, each one of the little monkeys is a catapult. You're going to put a coconut in its hands, pull that down, let it fling to try and get it into the cups either in front of other people or in the center. If you, the center is easier to hit and if you get it in there, you get to take the cup and if it lands in front of somebody else, then or inside of a cup in front of somebody else, then you got to take that cup too. Yes. Your goal, get all the cups. Yeah. You're trying to get so many cups and you win. And so, um, this is a game that'll make a mess. Uh, you will lose pieces. They will go flying. We've lost so many coconuts. It's a lot of fun, high excitement, flinging things around the room 
right. kind of silliness. So, yeah, it's it's neat. There's a two-player version of it. There's a four-player version of it. I've got them both, and so we have a six-player version of it. <laughs> and uh, That know, would be a nightmare, uh, but we have it. I don't know that I actually want to keep my copy, but I don't know that it would survive if I permanently gave it to the library. So right now it's on a, while I'm here, or while Chris is here, we can let people play it. <laughs> it's not a circulating thing because we will not have all the pieces. No, it's no. just not possible. In fact, when we had it at ShushCon, I think we lost three coconuts that one convention. Not surprising. So. Actually, it's very surprising because we only lost three. Yeah, and uh, they're probably all under the stage out there, but I'm not calling. So coconuts, great fun, lots of, uh, lots of screaming and howling, and people will enjoy it. Uh, so I recommend it highly. So uh, something Donald and I talked about, mm. uh, there's a variety of games you can play, which are, let's say, loose enough that you can really force them into the theme of Tales and Tales. Yes. Um, a great example of that is a game like Contour, which is a drawing game where you're drawing using single lines to make eventually a picture. Mm-hmm. Um which I've never it, actually played Contour, even though it's sitting here on the table. So You're trying to draw the thing in the fewest lines possible where mm-hmm. a person can guess what it is. Ah, gotcha. Um, and the less lines you do it in, the better. And no curvy lines. It's all straight, hard lines. You'd now, think with a word like Contour, you would get to use curvy lines. No, all straight lines. <laughs> Just saying. I'm feeling the cheated. thing about Contour and yes. games of that nature, other games that might fit into this category. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Bring your own book. So you could use like, hey, we're all going to do Redwall or we're going to do these other ones and, and ask the questions and people are going to go find them in their copy of Watership Down or The Secret of Nim or whatever it is. So bring your own book. The whole point is that a pitch is given and people are trying to find the quote that most appropriately answers that from the book that they've got. I don't know if you've played right. it, but I know Stephanie and I I have not played it, but I understand based on everything. And then, I mean, there's other games like cartoonist or ma- Car- cartooner yep. cartooner or manga manga ka manga ka uh so drawing games or games where there's a lot of free form to it yes. such as the game donald just mentioned um where you can basically say all right we're playing the game but here is the overall theme that must be followed right in this case tales and tales so the cartooner and manga ka games are super appropriate for this because there are decks of cards where it's like, oh, you're going to add this element each time. Um, and so this is what's popular now. And so you could pre-make your own decks that super relate to Tales right. and Tales right. just using the cards that are in those games. Or you could make your own cards. So to give a little more background on these games, uh, yes. they're a you're drawing a cartoon using either one, two, four, or six panels, depending on which part of the game you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to using just those panels, um, make a full cartoon, either a little one-panel cartoon or an eight-part story. Yes. Um, and so if you say all the characters must be animals or it must follow X, Y, Z, or like Donald said, you need you create your own specialized deck that is all themed to that. Right. So there are a lot of games like that. Drawing games, I think, are the easiest to do it to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like Donald said, the book-finding game. Bring your own book. Bring your own book. Is also another game where as long as you put a theme on the whole thing, you can pull it into this super easily. And I'm sure there's a lot of games like that. Um, we're just not thinking of them. All right, so let's be honest here. Every summer when we do our games, because this is something I hope to do from now on, 
when we do games that are appropriate for this particular topic, right? Uh, bring your own book is almost always going to be one of them. Cartooner and manga ka now absolutely going to do it. Um, say anything is one that you can easily create a bunch of questions for because in say anything, it's like you ask a question and then everybody writes an answer down and then you're judging the answers and the other people are betting on which answer you're going to like the best, you know, anything like that. Those are always going to be easy takes for let's convert them to this thing. So get used to hearing me talk about this kind of thing because, uh, it's likely to happen. Yes. Um, so yeah, recommend those highly. Uh, especially just because they're so able to be massaged into whatever it is that, that we're doing. Right, and it's not just this theme. I mean, they can be put into Literally really anything. anything. Yeah, Anything that's rich enough to have a theme, you can do that with. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I guess one thing that we don't, one game we don't have on here, Tales and Tales, uh, would be like King of Tokyo or King of New York, where it's the giant robots or, or kaiju or whatever it is, you know, with the big old lizard tail or... Right. Whatever attacking the city. And and those are once again barely count, but they, they can count. You can say, Oh, this makes just enough sense that we're going to to use it as part of what we're doing. And I think that's that's why games are so powerful and why we continue talking about them mm-hmm. since two thousand and eight. We have been talking <laughs> about games in schools and libraries. Uh, because you can use it so many ways, even if you're just looking at how can I bring games in. Oh yeah. So, but let's let's talk about some games that have animals on them, and we're we're going to go into the evolution series of games really quick because those are animals ish, right? Ish, yes. Ish. I mean, they are animals. They it's, are animals. You right? uh, you have an animal, and yes. you are evolving it to be better than the other animals, right? And so, in evolution, you are trying to get the most points, and the most point, and you get points by putting by putting food in your belly. And so at the end of each round, when you have eaten the food, that's going to go in there. And there's a variety of them. So, uh, for example, there's evolution, there's uh, evolution oceans, there's uh, evolution the beginning, uh, which is the one I recommend for libraries to start with because... There's the climate one, too. Evolution's climate, yeah, which I don't recommend, but we've got that. Um, Actually, that's a lie. I think it's a neat game. And if you want a heavier, more gamerly versions, then Evolution Climate is the way to go. Mm. But if what you're looking for is something fast and accessible to your patrons, then Evolution the Beginnings is the way to go. And in it, they basically made every action that you do in the game be one you're excited about taking instead of the, oh, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. They got rid of all the annoying stuff, which when you're playing a strategic game, part of that is your choice evaluation. And oh, this doesn't look like the funnest choice, but it is essential you still get to make essential choices, but you never have to be bored by them. Yeah, I would say, in my opinion, um, of the four games, and I will say Oceans, I think, is mostly a themed one more than a heavy change like Climate or The Beginning. Uh, well, uh, I mean, they they have the great Deeps card where basically every every fish turns into a kaiju if, if you start attaching superpowers to them. Things get weird okay. in the Deeps, but the basic game is absolutely what you're saying. Right. But, I mean, of the four of them... Um, it is kind of a choose your flavor thing. I don't think there is a bad version of evolution. It is just different styles of the game more than anything. And personally, having played the better part of a decade's worth of evolution at this point, <laughs> I'm kind of done with it. All right. 
Well, that's an oversaturation issue. But yes. uh, the idea of evolution is, I mean, you're trying to feed your animal and you play cards to evolve your animal. Maybe it's a herbivore. Maybe now it's a carnivore. Um, it just depends on what's on the board, what's available to you. There's not enough resources to go around and you need to be the best at getting the resources so your population grows real big and your animal grows real big and you get more points for being more. Remember, if you eat other people's animals, there's always enough resources to go around. <laughs> uh, uh, that only lasts for so long. It does until they get their defenses. Yes. Like their horns or their <laughs> shells or their flying or whatever. <laughs> Yes, and then the long neck animals are just ignoring you for the rest of the game as they eat all the food. Exactly. It's, uh, a, it's a long neck Spinosaurus. Oh, no. Very neat strategic style game. Yep. You know, talking about it now has almost made me excited about playing it again. It's, it's a good game, but I played so much of it. I, okay, again, Donald's, Donald's mentions here is because he has played it that much. But yes. as someone has once said to me, you know, if you do something once and you say it's bad, Okay, if you do it twice, I'm going to be skeptical. If you do it 46 times, I think you're lying. It's a good game. <laughs> I never said it was a bad game. Never, <laughs> never have I said. I said I am personally about done with it. That mm. is that is all I've said. I've never complained <laughs> mm-hmm. about it being a bad game. Not like Munchkin. Oh, but we're not going to shame people. <laughs> Sorry, we're not doing that. That's a different podcast. Um, <sighs> all right. So another couple of games that we're going to talk about is the uh, Loretto games. <laughs> Uh, Zuloretto and Aquaretto. Mm-hmm. Um, in in those games, you are managing a zoo or a, an aquarium thing, trying to keep your animals happy and fill up your space so that people come and see them. Actually, I don't think there's happiness for animals, in, at least not in Zuloretto. I can't remember an Aquaretto. It's Zoo Tycoon, the board game. <laughs> and yes, you're trying to fill it up. So it's one of those things that people might have a problem with it because I know some people don't like zoos. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, if you imagine that, yes, it looks like a zoo, but it's really one of those great big nature preserves, maybe maybe it won't be so objectionable to you. Uh, but there are adorable animals with even more adorable baby animals. Um, and you are really trying to manage your economy. And there's no money in zoos. So money is super tight in this game. <laughs> yes. And the whole the really cool mechanism is that everybody is drawing tiles from a bag to put them onto the uh, trucks. And then at any point during this process, when it's your turn, you can say, you know, I'm not going to draw something from the bag and put it in a truck either. Cause all the trucks are full or because you've decided I am going to now take one of the trucks full of stuff. Right. And it may not be a truck full of stuff, or it may be a truck full of a lot of bad things. And that one thing you really want, right? or it might be only one thing on the truck and you don't want to get stuck with the rest of that junk. Right. So it's a, it's kind of a push your luck um, and then also kind of a push your bad luck on someone else. Right. And the number of times where they're like, well, I know that Donald wants the pandas, but he doesn't want this because he has no room for it on his farm, on his ranch, zoo, whatever. So we're going to put, you know, cheetahs in with the pandas so that when he takes the truck, he gets cheetahs, pandas, and flamingos, and he can only take the female panda, which will let him have another breeding panda. But then he's got these other two horrible things that I can either then buy from him cheaply or, you know, whatever. Yes, consequences. Consequences. So, yeah, it's a neat little game where I I don't even know what to apply it to. It's great. You know? I mean, it's it's got a great mechanic. It's a pusher luck. Easily, absolutely pusher luck. It's also getting your pieces into the right place and not having extra 
because extra is always bad in the Loretto games, Loretto games. Um, you want to be as efficient as possible. It is. Uh, so that is super cool. We had a copy of Zoo Loretto, I think, donated by uh, Rio Grande Games. And a patron yep. donated to Aquaretto, I think. And I can see here, but I can't read it. But Zoo Loretto got some kind of award. The though. Spiel des Jahres back in 2007, uh, which is an early one of those. So that's really cool. It's It's a good game. I enjoy playing it. Though I do have to relearn the rules just about every time. Yes. I mean, we got the basics, but there's always the specifics that get you off guard. That get you off guard. All right. Um, Looking at everything else that's on this board, I haven't played any of it. You, you've never played Happy Salmon. Oh, I forgot about Happy Salmon. I the, Okay, yes. The little tiny corner of Happy Salmon that I can see from where I'm sitting. That is true. <laughs> also, no, I don't think I've played it. <laughs> now that I think about it. I know of it. All right. So... Friend of all of the Inverse Genius podcast, Bruce Vogue, uh, tells a delightful story about the time where he didn't do a leaping catch to grab a happy salmon, uh, and he managed to avoid wiping out 100% grade A baby uh, in, in the chair. So go go look for that over, uh, over on the Onboard Games podcast. But anyway, so happy salmon is... How to say. All right. So you're standing around the table with all of your friends. In your hand, you have a deck of salmon cards. You're going to have the top one face up, and it's going to have an action. And you're going to try and find someone else who has that same action and both do the same thing. So it might be high five. It might be trade spaces. Whatever it is, you have to both agree to it and do the action, and then you get to throw that card out of your hand. Mm Mm-hmm. So have space for this. It gets loud. Yes. Then you're doing the same thing over and over again. First person to the bottom of their hand wins. So this is a great after school. People need to burn off energy and you have a space where they can be loud sort of game. Oh yeah. It's a lot of yelling, a lot of running, a lot of just everything really. We like it so much that we have a giant happy salmon case hanging in our window here at the library. Yes, it is. Glorious. Big, huge, and almost right in the way of the door. There may, in fact, be a picture in the show notes for this giant happy salmon. So <laughs> we'll see. But um, it is fun. So one of these, one of the things is the happy salmon where you reach, like you're going to give somebody a handshake, but you reach past their hand. So you are both have your hands by your elbow, and then you flap your hands back and forth like you're a salmon fish slapping the other person on the elbow. Um, that's a fun one. <laughs> Uh, and so this was brought to you by the people who brought you Dude, but that's a different podcast. Yeah, so uh, probably not the best game at this particular time in the world. Oh, yeah, good point. But uh, still a very fun game and highly recommended in most library collections. Great. Uh, if you have the space for it. Yes, or if you're circulating it, it's a great one. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, and it's one of those that uh, all of the decks have to have the same number of cards, preferably with the same actions. But if the cards get a little bent or a little dinged up, it's still playable because there's not really hidden information. Right. Um, it goes really fast. We also use the rule that the winner is the one who throws down their last card and grabs the salmon first and holds it above their ha- head and yells, happy salmon is the winner because that's a little <laughs> more excitement, a little more rushing um, and a greater chance for person-to-person combat <laughs> while it's going on. Um, but that, that way you don't have two people throw down their last card and have to guess who's the winner, right? Uh, Absolutely. And if they, if two people grab it and lift it up at the same time, then sure, they can both win. 
<laughs> if they if they're going to be that way about it. But uh, there's not confusion, right? So exactly. Um, love it, love it, love it. Uh, another game that we have here is Camel Cup or Camel Up. I don't actually remember which one it is. That's I should look that up. You know, I didn't have confusion about that until you said something. You thought it was Camel Cup? I really thought it was Camel Cup. Uh, the way they have that C, I mean... It could be. I mean, I'm not arguing with you. If I knew what it was, I would not have questioned it. All right. <clears throat> okay. So, Camel Up, which you wouldn't know it was called that from the cover of the game, is all about a racing, and you are... You got a few choices, right? It's not that any of these camels actually belong to you, but you are trying to figure out which camel is going to get around the track first or beat which leg of the derby that they're on first and hopefully have the most betting tokens put on taken from that one. And, um, and that's it. So the neatest thing about this game is it has this great big pyramid in the center, which, yeah, okay. So... No, we're not even going to deal with those issues. You all make your own choices. All right. Um, that uh, that if you choose the uh, one of the pyramid tiles that are on the board, then you get to pick up the dice pyramid. You shake it. You put it upside down on the board. You just push the slider. One of the dice falls out. And then you let it slide back out and you pick the thing back up. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a die revealed with the thing on it, right? So after you have released the slider... You lift it back up and that die is in the center of the thing. And that's going to give you some instructions about which color of camel moves how far. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, if it's on the stack of camels at the bottom of the stack of camels or in the middle of the stack of camels, it's going to take the camels that are with it, that are on top of it with it. So that is some of the weird betting is like, Oh, we're going to choose how things go. Or I think this one's going to win. Or I think this one's going to lose. Actually, don't bet on the loser, I don't think. But, you know, you're going to pick what what you're doing. So either you can throw out your, hey, I'm going to throw sand down or or a blocking tile to to kind of slow guys down. Or I'm going to move things or I'm going to place a bet on any given turn. So what it sounds like, it's a bunch of cheaters trying to bet on the winner, but everybody's cheating. I mean, there's only, I think you have one of your obstruction tiles that you get to place. Hmm. So you're not cheating a lot. (laughs) Right. So Um, it's okay. You know, right. And... You know, are you cheating or are you scouting? That's the question. Maybe mm. it's there all along, <laughs> but you just didn't know about it. Right. Yeah, sure. Right. And so it is a lot of fun. We have played it multiple times. It has that super visual element of the uh, of the giant pyramid in the center. That attracts a lot of attention. So if you're looking for that kind of thing, then, then yeah, Camel Up is a lot of fun. And realize Donald was using the royal we there because I have not played this game. Right. So, in all, it is a great game, and just don't take it too seriously, and uh, and you'll have a lot of fun with it. So that is Camel Up. Oh, there's a uh, Baron Park. Ah, Baron Park. Let's talk about Baron Park. Yeah. So as Chris is pointing out, that we have Baron Park here on the table, and Baron Park is a you are drafting pieces to fill up your board, and uh, and fill it up with delightful bears, and you know get it in the most uh, optimized position to do your scoring and it is apparently bear parks are a thing at places in Europe 
it's, it's kind of like a zoo just for bears or mostly for bears? You know, we got Yellowstone. That's all I know for bear parks. <laughs> that's Jellystone and Yogi Bear does not count. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it is a neat game. If you're looking for sort of Tetrisy pieces, when, when I first played it, my thoughts were if this had come out in the mountain in the 90s, it would have been an award-winning game, right? Mm-hmm. It is sort of the big example of games have come so far that now when I get a new game, I'm looking for something super special for them. Right. So what would have once been considered exceptional is now considered just good. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, and it is tight. It, it all works. And who's that by? Is that, does it say on that? Um, no. This is a game made by Phil Walker Harding. Okay. All right. Um, and it's produced by Lookout Games and Lookout. It's Lookout Spiel? Lookout Spiel, which is Lookout Games. Gotcha. So that what that means is that uh, so Mayfair at one point had purchased or bought controlling interest or whatever in Lookout Games, and then Mayfair went away. So it's probably just a Lookout title at this point. Yeah, I think that's Mayfair's logo on this. So that, that tells is. you how old this game is. Yeah. Which is not as old as you might think, because Mayfair's only been gone for about three years. <laughs> three or four years at this point. You know, looking at the art, fair enough. But. So, yeah. You remember when I said, hey, if this had come out back in the 80s or 90s, it would have been an award-winning game? Oh, yeah. It, interestingly, it looks like they put the art kind of in that era, too. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, once again, this is another one by the folks who designed, who did like Murano and Caverna and and uh, Agricola, that kind of stuff. But it's it's another lighter game. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty neat. You're trying to hit objectives. You're trying to cover up particular points on your board. Um, you've got uh, different shaped tiles that you're drafting or, you know, putting on the space. And they there's different point values for how deep you, you know, like, like oh, I'm taking this now. So there's different, different point values as the game goes along. You know, I've seen enough games with this kind of tile placement thing, this... Mm-hmm like super Tetris tiles. Yes. I almost feel like they do need their own genre at this point. I mean, it's, it's a tile placement game. Uh, yeah, but it's this specific type of tile placement is it's very popular. Polyomino tile placement. Yeah. I mean, I, I can think of a couple of games already that have this kind of thing. You I mean, know, I've owned all, uh, three patchwork. of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's. Oh, and it's by the same company that did patchwork. Is it? Yes. Well, that's probably why. <laughs> different, different designer, but yes. It made uh, me think of it immediately when looking at it. But again, I've never played this, so I'm basing it off of what I see on the back of the box. Right. Um, yeah, so if you like bears, if you're from an area that is bear-centric, <laughs> then uh, Baron Park is a great choice. Otherwise, I would say it's a good choice. Once again, um, you know. Good, solid game. Good, solid game. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, there's one other game I want to talk about. Um, previously, we talked about the Cardline games, right? Yes. Um, one of the games that we should also mention is a trivia game uh, based on animals called Fauna and another one called Terra. And uh, in Fauna and in Terra, Terra obviously has other things besides animals, but it, I do believe it has animals. Um, but in Fauna, you... We'll say like, oh, here's the picture of this animal. Now you have these different places that you can place your bids on or your bets on to what you think is appropriate. And it might be tail size. How big is the creature or what is its range? All right. 
And so you're going to place your tokens on the board like, oh, I think its tail is three inches long. So I'm going to put it right there. Oh, someone's already on three inch. I'm going to say 2.5 inches long because I'm still <laughs> going to get points if I'm that close, right? Right. Or I think that this this frog, tree frog only exists in Connecticut. Um, so I'm going to put it up in the northeast of the United States or I'm going to put it you know, close to there because the closer you get to it, once again, you have a chance at getting points, right? Right. So you're betting on facts about animals or in, I guess, one of the games. And in Terra, Terra. it might be other things like plants or I don't even remember all the things you can bet on there, but yes. Right. So fauna is the animal specific one. Terra is the much more general one. Now, so with fauna, you've got to be a little careful or maybe you don't. Uh, There is a version that has uh, imperial measurements and there's a version that is all metric. And I think one of them has the other on the back, but you'll want to check that out. You'll want to look before you purchase. <laughs> yes, uh, that would be frustrating if uh, you buy one version and everyone only knows measurements in the other. Yes. So it, that's a, I believe that's a Bezier Games. I know that Terra is. And so I recommend it highly for, hey, we're going to do animal related stuff. So for example, we're doing a herpetology week here. Uh, where they're going to show people how to find lizards and whatnot. So if we said, hey, we're going to do an all-lizard-related fauna thing for that week, we could do that online even probably. But Right. So this is the kind of game also where you could curate probably um, the selection out of it. The selection of animals, yeah. So, yeah, got to mention that. As a, it's no theme, no story whatsoever. But animals. But the animal-related nature is going to... And sometimes even betting on their tails. (laughs) Betting on their tails, exactly. (laughs) The tails of the tail holders. I'm Donald. I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and our other Inverse Genius shows over at InverseGenius.com. We have shows like Onboard Games and the Inverse Genius podcast, where we're talking on the fortnightly about stuff that we really, really like that is not game-related. Also, this podcast is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System, where uh, that's where Chris and I work. So you can come to see us at the Polly's Island Library and the Waccamaw Neck in South Carolina. Bye-bye. Bye.